In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As we celebrate the Feast of the Pentecost, the great solemnity which commemorates the coming of the Holy Spirit, we can take to our prayer some words of our Lord Jesus. They're words that he spoke during the Last Supper. He told the apostles, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This must have been quite difficult for the apostles to believe. Imagine how much they loved our Lord, how much they had come to love him and even worship him as God. And having his presence with them was so important to them, so good for them, such a cause of joy and confidence. And now here our Lord was telling them, I tell you the truth, it is good for you if I go away. How could that be possible? How could it be good for them that he leave them? their friend, their master, the Messiah, their Lord, and they were coming to believe that he was also their God. This shows us just how wonderful it is to have the Holy Spirit descend upon the church, that first Pentecost, to have the Holy Spirit in our life through the sacrament of confirmation, through the other sacraments in our interior life in the state of grace. What a great good it is to have the Holy Spirit a good that even outweighs, in our Lord's own estimation, outweighs his own presence there among his disciples, among those apostles. So we can ask our Lord in our prayer as we begin this meditation, Lord, give us a greater appreciation for the Holy Spirit. Help us to really value his person and value his presence in our life, his work in our life. Help us to be open to him and to invite him into our lives today in the Feast of Pentecost. This is a great gift of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's a gift that we know that our Lord wants to give us. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says this, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's a gift, Lord, that you ascend into heaven in order to send to your apostles, saying that it's better off for them if you do this. And it's a gift here that you're saying that God the Father really wants to give to us. It's ours for the asking. 
And so we join the church and we join all the saints and we join those apostles in our cry today. Veni Santi Spiritus. Come Holy Spirit. Come down on the world. Come down on the church. Come down into each one of our lives. All of us praying here together. Come Holy Spirit. Change what needs to be changed. Increase what needs to be increased. Begin in my soul, in my life, what needs to be begun. This coming of the Holy Spirit, this gift of the Holy Spirit, is the gift of God himself. The Holy Spirit is God. In the Gospel of John we read, For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for it is not by measure that he gives the Spirit. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. It is not by measure that he gives the Spirit. He does not ration his gift of the Spirit. A profound mystery, an incredible thing to bring to our prayer slowly to contemplate with this sense of openness, wanting really to receive this gift. That God doesn't ration his gift of the Spirit. He doesn't give us just part of his Spirit. He gives all of it. When goods are scarce, when there's a lack of something, well, we have to ration it. We have to plan out how to distribute it justly, how to make sure everyone gets enough, how to make sure nothing is wasted. And this is precisely what God doesn't do with the Holy Spirit, doesn't do with his own spirit, with himself. He gives it without measure. This means that God gives himself to us entirely. He gives too much. God is the God who does too much. He goes overboard. We see this. This is, this is an aspect of the way God works. God isn't cheap. God isn't stingy. He's not mean. He's generous. He's abundantly generous to the point of wastefulness, of prodigality with himself. We see this in the work of creation the immense expanse and wonders of creation show us how abundantly active and generous God is. Imagine you were to create a world, and in that world you thought of animals, and among the animals you thought, well, maybe I'll create some insects. Well, maybe you would think, well, I, you know, maybe a dozen species of insects is enough, a couple of kinds of flies, maybe a bee some ants. Well, in existence, there are something like over 900,000 species of insects. 900,000 different ways of being a bug in God's marvelous creation. It's incredibly, it's incredibly abundant. It's, it's overkill. And maybe if you were creating the world, you would think, well, let's have Let's have a solar system, and the Earth can revolve around the sun with some other planets, and eventually they'll figure that out, that the, it's not the sun revolving around the Earth, but, but the opposite, the Earth revolves around the sun. And maybe it would be cool, too, that, that it's not just the solar system, but, but this solar system with the Earth and the sun exists in a vast galaxy full of billions and billions 
of other stars and other planets. Well, that would be that would be quite something, a creation in which there were billions and billions of stars in the universe. Well, the creation that God has made doesn't just have a galaxy with billions and billions of stars in it, but billions and billions of galaxies with, with billions and billions of stars in each one of them. Again, it's like, what were you thinking? Why, why so much abundance? Well, this seems to be just the way that God works. He, he overdoes things. He's super generous in his activity. And our redemption is the same. Men and women offend God, and he wants to forgive them. And in his love, he decides to, to forgive them by becoming one of us and suffering for us. And it's the suffering of God. It's the suffering of God such that St. Thomas Aquinas says that just one drop of blood from Jesus, one drop of blood from a sacred humanity could have wiped out the sins of all the world. All the sin that there is in the world would have been redeemed and forgiven by just one drop of blood. If God had stubbed his toe, it would have been enough. The pain of God the suffering of God, who in his nature can't suffer, and so he takes on our human nature to suffer in order to redeem us. Any suffering would have done the trick. And yet, what do we see Jesus do? He doesn't just spill one drop of blood. He doesn't just stub his toe, although that would have been enough. No, he lets himself be mocked and rejected and betrayed and whipped nailed to a cross and he bleeds to death all of his blood pours out on Calvary the great radical abundance the prodigality of God in giving himself the prodigality of God in creation in redemption and also in sanctification the Holy Spirit is the sanctifier and in order to sanctify us, God doesn't just do something external that we can follow or help us along. No, he gives us his very life. He gives us his very love. He gives us the third person of the Blessed Trinity to be ours. He doesn't ration the gift of the Spirit. He gives all of his life to us, all of his love to us. The Holy Spirit being a gift means that the Holy Spirit becomes, in a certain sense, our possession something we own, something that belongs to us. This is from a wonderful book on the Holy Spirit by Luis Martinez called The Sanctifier. It is characteristic of love to give gifts, but the first gift, the gift par excellence, is love itself. The Holy Spirit is the love of God. Therefore, he is the gift of God. Now, the giving on the part of God corresponds to possession on our part. We have what God has given us. The Holy Spirit is then something of our own, and we can call him, according to St. Thomas, the Spirit of man, or gift bestowed on man. The Holy Spirit becomes our spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He animates our supernatural life. Have we thought about what it means to possess the gift of God in our souls? Have we thought about the divine significance of that rigorously exact phrase, the Holy Spirit is ours? 
What profound and consoling truths the Holy Spirit is ours. We can enjoy Him and use His effects. It is in our power to use Him. We can enjoy Him when we wish. Each one of these truths deserves to be extensively and lovingly meditated upon. God does not ration His gift of the Spirit. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So we say once again, Come Holy Spirit, come into my soul, make your abode there, make all the changes you want to make in my life. And if the Holy Spirit is ours, and as as Bishop Martinez says here, Luis Martinez, we can use him, we possess him and can use him. Well, what would we use him for? What does he want to do? Well, he is love. The Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son, the love with which the, the Father loves the Son, and the love with which the Son loves the Father is the Holy Spirit. So the first thing we can we can ask him to do for us, through us, is precisely to love, to love God first above all things, and then to love others in our life. And this is an underutilized resource, I think. Many times we, we realize in our life that there are people difficult to love, whether they're difficult to serve or difficult to put up with, difficult, particularly difficult, difficult at times to forgive. Whatever it is, there's always people in our life, perhaps a group of people, that we find difficult to love, difficult to have goodwill and affection for. And the good news is that that we're not alone in this. We don't have to rely only on our own strength, only on our own willpower, only on our own affection. We have this possession. We have this gift of the Holy Spirit. And so it's a great way to pray. When we pray about charity, when we pray for people that we are challenged to love and that we find it hard to do, a great practice, a great exercise, is to ask the Holy Spirit to love for us, to love in us and to love through us. To tell him that we can't, I can't do it, I can't love this person, but I believe that you're there and you love me and you want me to love them and so you help me do it and you do it through me. Use the Holy Spirit to love others. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. We pray every Sunday at Mass in the Nicene Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. Jesus who's come to give us the fullness of life precisely sends the Holy Spirit to do this. The Lord, the giver of life, the sanctifier. And when the Holy Spirit descends on the apostles in that first Pentecost, there's a sound of a mighty wind that fills the house. And he descends in the form of tongues of fire which rest above the heads of those disciples. The giver of life, wind, fire. They're images of of something that's alive, energetic, alert, active. The Holy Spirit's the great enemy of lukewarmness, the great enemy of spiritual sloth, the opposite of self-satisfaction, of complacence in our interior life. The Holy Spirit wants to make us alive, energetic, active, alert, 
men and women with initiatives. So we can ask him, come Holy Spirit, where am I spiritually dull? Where am I spiritually asleep? Where am I spiritually tepid and lukewarm? Where am I complacent or indifferent? Shake me out of that. Make me active. And our Lord's miracles, when our Lord walks this earth, inspired by the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ, and he performs those miracles, so many of those miracles are simply returning people to life, either to health so that they can live their life fully, or from death to life. And he's constantly giving people commands in his miracles, commands to live, commands to do things that that they should do. Stretch out your hand. Take up your mat and walk. Lazarus, who's dead in the grave. Lazarus, come out. Little girl, that little girl who had died. And they were laughing at our Lord because he said she was sleeping. Little girl, arise. And he takes her by the hand. Lord, where are you asking me to pick up my mat and walk and to stretch out my hand and to arise and come out? Where, Lord, am I spiritually dead? Maybe it's a lack of hope. Maybe it's a lack of faith. Maybe it's a lack of charity. Maybe it's self-pity that I've closed myself in on myself because because I'm, I feel sorry for myself, for my situation. All these are ways in which we can be spiritually, spiritually asleep, spiritually dead, tepid. And the Holy Spirit can come like a wind, like fire. And make us alive again, energetic, alert. Rise, let us be going, our Lord says to those apostles in the agony in the garden, right before he goes to take up his cross. Rise, let us be going. See, my accuser is at hand. Get up, let's meet this challenge. Let's get moving. St. Maria has a beautiful prayer to the Holy Spirit, which can help us in our, in our meditation. Come, O Holy Spirit, enlighten my understanding to know your commands. Strengthen my heart against the wiles of the enemy. Inflame my will. I have heard your voice, and I don't want to harden my heart to resisting by saying later, Nuncepi, now I begin, lest there be no tomorrow for me. O Spirit of truth and wisdom, Spirit of understanding and counsel, Spirit of joy and peace, I want what you want, I want it because you want it. I want it as you want it. I want it when you want it. This is the great attitude that we can ask our Lord for. We ask him to appreciate the great gift of the Holy Spirit. We ask him for that sense that if we're spiritually dead, the Holy Spirit can jumpstart us back into life. And we ask him for this essential attitude of docility to the Holy Spirit. The saints and spiritual writers all make this point that with regard to the Holy Spirit, the key attitude on our part is docility. And what is docility? Docility basically means being teachable, being being willing and able to be led, to be taught. It comes from the Latin word docilitas, which precisely means teachableness or being teachable. So we want to practice and we want to desire all of the good virtues of a good student. Wanting to be led, 
wanting to learn new things, wanting to practice new new disciplines and, and new skills in order to get better at them, wanting advice, wanting correction. In the world of athletics, we want to be what's called coachable. A great compliment a coach can play to any athlete is that she's coachable or he's coachable. They're willing to be corrected. They're willing to be guided. They want to be better, and so they, they subject themselves to this to this training. In another wonderful book on the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit by Francisca Javiera del Valle, she talks about the Holy Spirit as a teacher. If the soul puts into practice all that is taught in this divine school where the teacher is the Holy Spirit, then it will neither walk nor run nor fly along the way of holiness. Instead, it will advance with the speed and agility with which our thoughts can skip from one place to another. The great shortcut to holiness, the great shortcut to a greater trust in God, greater love for God and others, is docility to the Holy Spirit. Putting into practice everything we're taught in the school where the teacher is the Holy Spirit. And where do we learn? Where do we learn the lessons that the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us? In what, Lord Jesus, are you calling us to be docile to the Holy Spirit? And again, the answer is found in the Holy Spirit himself. The answer is charity. The answer is love. St. Paul helps us greatly in this regard. Writing to the Galatians, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you would. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are plain, immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Docility to the Holy Spirit will mean precisely asking for these fruits of the Holy Spirit looking for these fruits of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is trying to inspire in our hearts love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these there is there is no law, St. Paul says. It reminds us of what we read in the Gospel of John. God does not ration his gift of the Spirit. There's never too much of these things. We can always We can always have more. Lord Jesus, help me to be a lifelong student. Help me to be humble enough to realize I can always 
learn more. I can always improve in my interior life, improve in my relationships, improve in my work. I have a friend who's a great example to me. He's a 92-year-old priest who's bedridden. He lives now in a nursing home. And I'm always impressed when I go to see him because he always has some sort of project. A number of years ago, he learned to paint and became a pretty proficient painter. And then a, a, just a couple of years ago, I came and visited him. He was there in his, in his bed. And I said, Father Frank, what's going on? And he said, well, I've got my Greek grammar here and my Greek New Testament. I'm trying to improve my Greek so I can read, I can read the New Testament better. And I'm also reviewing my Spanish grammar and Spanish vocabulary because I want to work on my Spanish. And he was like 90 years old and, and isolated, yeah, more or less isolated. He's got a lot of friends who call him and, and he reaches out to a lot of people. But 90 years old and bedridden. And still just interested in life, interested in developing his mind, interested in learning. I just went to see him again the other day for the first time in a while because of the pandemic. And again, I said, Father Frank, how you doing? What, what have you been up to? And he said, well, I've got my, um, my French dictionary here and some French novels. I'm really trying to improve my French. These are great. <laughs> These are some great novels. And I was just blown away by that. Right? Here's this guy. Now he's 92. And he's still alive, interested in life, finding things to read, finding things to learn. And this should be our sense in the spiritual life. We're never finished. We're always projects. We always need to be coached. We always need to be worked on. And so in our prayer, we can look. Lord Jesus, send the Holy Spirit, my teacher, let him look at my prayer life. Let him look at my family life. Let him look at my other relationships. Let him look at my work and my rest. And let him coach me, teach me, how can I make these things holier? How can I make them something that brings me closer to you? How can I serve you more in them? How can I remember that you're with me in all these things? These are lessons that the Holy Spirit can teach us. Where does the Holy Spirit want to lead me? To be docile is wanting to be led, to be a disciple, to be a follower. To be a follower, to be a disciple means that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us somewhere. And for most of us, perhaps the answer is, well, he wants to lead us to where we are already. He's already led us to where we should be. He's led us into our vocation in the middle of the world with all the responsibilities I have right now, with the relationships I have right now, with the work I have right now, all that is God's will for me. All that is where I find the graces to be holy, to love God and love others. All of that is precisely where the Holy Spirit wants to be used by me, to love God and to love others. The responsibilities, the relationships, the work I have now is my life. There's no other life for me. And so that's the life the Holy Spirit comes to vivify, to give divine life to, to transform from within. Help us, Lord, to avoid what St. Josemaria called mystical wishful thinking. Mystical wishful thinking, that tendency we all have to think, oh, if I only didn't get married, 
or if I only married someone else, or if I only studied this other, this other major, if I only got a degree in this other thing, if I only moved to this other city, and we, we wish our actual life away, thinking about how things could be different. And they're not different, and that's, that's part of God's will, that's part of God's plan for us, and that's precisely where the Holy Spirit wants to make us fully alive with the life that comes with faith and with hope and with charity, with love. Come Holy Spirit, help me to enroll in your school. Teach me, teach me these fruits. Help me to see which one do I need the most. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? We ask with confidence today for whatever fruits or gifts of the Holy Spirit we really need. We go to Our Lady. Our Lady is spouse of the Holy Spirit. She yields herself entirely, body and soul, to the action of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadows her in order to bring Jesus into the world. And each of each one of us, in our own way, are also spouse of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to overshadow us, and if we yield ourselves to Him, our will, our mind, our heart, our time, our work, our rest, we too will bring Jesus into the world. Our Lady, our Mother, Spouse of the Holy Spirit, help us to say with you, with the Church, with all the saints, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, make the changes in my heart that need to be made. Come bless and inspire this world of ours, which, which is so wayward in, in so many ways. Come and console us. Give us all the gifts we need to live in this particular time in history, this particular time of the church. Fortitude, understanding, counsel, knowledge, piety, fear the Lord. Come Holy Spirit, make us like Christ who suffered for the world that he loved, didn't condemn it, and make us like Our Lady, Our Mother, who by letting you overshadow her, brought Christ into the world. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.